Today on CityCast Denver. Plastics, your time in Colorado is running out. It really does like kind of reduce plastics pollution by a ton when you stop providing them, when you offer people an incentive or, or a reason to rather use like a reusable bag that they can reuse multiple times. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. see what's happening out there today. There's a 50% chance of rain and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Apart from that, it should be cloudy with highs in the upper 80s. And is that wildfire smoke I smell on the air? The big story today comes out of downtown. The Mercury Cafe has been a bastion of alternative culture and local organic food on California Street for 31 years. And now it's been sold for a paltry $2.07 million. Longtime owner Marilyn McGinnity told the press she was thinking about selling back in March, and from what I hear, that sparked something of a feeding frenzy from developers hungry for a prime piece of downtown real estate. But she was willing to sell at a big discount to someone who would keep the mark just the way it is. And it sounds like she found a good fit. The buyer is past and future CityCast Denver guest Danny Newman, the tech entrepreneur who bought my brother's bar a few years ago and is helping out with the campaign to save Casa Bonita. And there's been a development on our coverage of the STAR program. That's Denver's pilot program replacing cops with social workers on 911 calls. The city council's finance committee approved an additional $1 million for STAR earlier this week. If the full council approves, and if a couple other funding sources come through, STAR will be able to answer calls all across the city and add additional teams, vans, and operate seven days a week instead of five. If that sounds good to you, email your council person to let them know. It's taken years of politicking, but climate-conscious Coloradans just scored a victory in the war on plastic. Now, by the year 2024, when you're checking out in a grocery store, there's a good chance the checker will ask, paper or reusable? No more plastic. Of course, that's all if Governor Polis signs the bill lawmakers passed near the end of the session that would ban plastic bags and styrofoam containers statewide. Hello, hi, hello, how are you? Hello, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, great. Miguel Otarola is a climate and environment reporter for CPR News. He's been following the plastics ban bill as it journeyed through the legislature, and he's gonna break it down for us today. Okay, Miguel, we're gonna talk about this new plastics bill in a second, but I kinda got sucked down a rabbit hole this morning reading about like industrial plastic production and I got a little bit enchanted about like the awesomeness of the industry of it all. So before we get into it, can you just remind me like where all this plastics opposition came from? Like why do people not like plastics these days? I think the big wave of like people wanting to be against using either plastic bags or like plastic straws or things like that was really a bigger deal like five years ago than it is right now. I mean, the thing is, they really haven't been around for like an incredibly long period of time. People using plastic bags or like plastic water bottles has only really been a thing in the last like 40 years or so. And now here comes the well. Really, I mean, we're just creating more plastics that we're putting out into the earth, more pollution, more greenhouse gas emissions. Just kind of seemed like a experiment that we tried and it's uh, 
it's over now. <laughs> well, at least it's uh, maybe starting to end. And then this bill that we're going to talk about is part of it. So the legislature just passed this thing. What exactly is in it? Basically, the way that one of the sponsors for the bill explained it to me, this is uh, Representative Lisa Cutter, is like a three-in-one deal of things that they have kind of tried to do in the past. So the first thing is this upcoming ban of single-use plastic bags. And that goes for any sort of like major retailer, major grocery store chain, major restaurant too, would basically be prohibited from using single-use plastic bags or providing those for customers. One of the things that was added into this bill, like during amendments in the Senate, kept small businesses, which is like any business that has three stores or fewer, from having to follow the rule. So that's a lot of businesses. I don't know exactly how many, but like that really kind of takes out a really big portion of the businesses that, you know, the sponsors of this bill were trying to reach. The second thing is a ban of styrofoam containers that are used for takeout in some restaurants. And the third thing, which uh, Cutter and a lot of the other sponsors found it to be honestly kind of the most significant thing, and honestly one of the most combative when it came to actually passing this bill, is the strike of the preemption ban. Now the preemption ban is something that Colorado has had when it comes to plastic bags, which basically prohibits cities, counties, smaller governments from taking on their own plastic bag bans, their own polystyrene bans. If the state doesn't make the rule, then these cities and these counties can't make the rule. Now that the ban is um, struck, they can ban plastic water bottles if they wanted to. Um, they can set greater fees than whatever the state is asking these cities to do. So basically just gives more control to the cities and the counties if they want to go even further in reducing plastics. There are already some cities in Colorado that have had these like plastic bag fees for a while. Uh, where they charge either 10 cents or 5 cents or something like that. But they just weren't able to actually outright ban the plastic bags because the state prohibited them from doing so. So we mentioned earlier that this has been kind of brewing for the last five years or so when the tide against plastic turned. And, you know, I know environmentalists are really involved in this and active and trying to push for legislation. And that's part of why this story is so interesting is because they finally did get it done. How did they actually do it this time? We're just in such a different time and place now that we were even back in 2016, you know, maybe around the beginning of the Trump presidency and whatnot, that we all sort of realize now how serious climate change is and how you're starting to really see the effects of climate change. And a lot of things that we, we wouldn't even have tried on a major scale a few years ago are now like incredibly common, like electric vehicles, for example, and all these other discussions that we're having around renewable energy and things like that. So... Something as small as like plastic bags is really not as big a deal as like a lot of other things. So they passed the rule. And I think for a lot of people, it just seemed like it was a long time coming. Might as well just do it. And it still won't be enacted until a few years. So <laughs> there's so much time that we're still waiting on this thing to actually kick in. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I'm seeing all this support for it. And yet also this bill is being described as a compromise. So let's talk about why there's that small business exemption and the time delay. You've used this term in your coverage, plastic industry lobbyists. Who are these people that pushed for those concessions? You know, they kind of come from all sorts of different sides. I mean, one of the big ones is the American Chemistry Council, which is basically like a plastics lobbying group. Hiding under the guise of a very scientific official sounding name. Exactly. 
Well, you know, not too difficult to kind of break it down when you think, oh, well, chemistry. I mean, like, how do we make plastics? Oh, where do the plastics go to? Plastic bags. And they have a really big, like, national sort of um, push against these bans. But you also have other sort of, I wouldn't call them necessarily like plastic lobbying groups, but also you have, you know, restaurant associations that don't necessarily want to go ahead and ban these products until, you know, you have more more alternatives that they can use or it becomes easier for restaurants to use something else for takeout. And it even goes all the way to like kind of oil and gas associations that, again, are in charge of making the plastics that end up being used in the plastic bags. So these are big groups, a lot of money, a lot of power. Um, and again, they probably had a lot more sway and influence five years ago when it came to this conversation than they do now. You know, they still influence some of the legislators, but it ended up really, really actually being a compromise that favored more of the, the people who actually pushed this bill in the first place. Well, let's talk about the Restaurant Association for a second, because our producer, Xander, and I were talking about this, and she used to, to cover this issue, like as a few years ago, I think. And, and she said she once heard from a Restaurant Association spokesperson that that they actually supported a state-level plastics ban at one point, as long as it didn't create this patchwork of rules for businesses that were hard to follow. But then it seems like now they don't support that. So how, what happened there? Well, see, that's that's the major portion that I think has been kind of like the most divisive, that preemption ban. Because if you have a statewide ban or rule when it comes to, you know, banning plastic bags or banning these uh, styrofoam containers, you know, they say that that's really easy to follow. That's not a problem. But it's always this sort of like uh, this other argument when it comes to the patchwork regulations. And they love using that patchwork of regulations phrase. And they brought up a really interesting argument, honestly. Um... During the COVID pandemic, for example, last year, a lot of restaurants had no clue what they could or couldn't do when it came to like takeout, for example, or carryout, or how many people could dine in the restaurants because there were different rules in different cities. And they just kind of worry, or at least raise the argument that that would be the same thing that would happen if you start setting different rules for banning plastic bags or plastic containers. I can imagine that being like especially complicated and potentially quite expensive for especially chain restaurants where that have different franchises in different localities. So like some like our precious good times, like would each good times have to have a different type of takeout container? Like they wouldn't be able to buy in bulk. That would make things a lot harder. It does make things a lot harder. And honestly, I don't even have the answer for that. You know, like what happens to like franchises across the entire state right now where this would all be kind of like, you know, set across. So every, you know, every city would have to follow the same thing. But once cities start able to start doing something else, that might raise that question for for franchises. And, you know, the other side of this is that there's been so many different alternatives that have popped up over the last couple of years that people are using, whether it's like different forms of plastics or, um, you know, things that you can recycle, things that you can compost that, yeah, a lot of smaller restaurants are using. But what about the good times, right? Or the bigger chains uh, that have yet to maybe make that switch. So I think the individual restaurants themselves are less worried about something like this because there have been many other options that are becoming cheaper as time goes by. Another kind of like interesting wrinkle into this whole topic of, of banning plastic bags and just kind of our reliance on them and how much we use them. Yeah. I mean, they're such a fundamental part of our lives on an everyday basis and that's hard to change. And I guess we're seeing that. 
it is hard to change. And it's also just kind of interesting to see exactly how much of an impact they're going to have. This is why it's like one of those things that like people aren't really that worked up about it anymore because we have had many bigger problems to deal with. And we know that the issue of climate change is such a big one that requires way bigger changes. And, um, and especially like bigger changes to like the bigger players of this issue and not just kind of like our own consumer habits. It really does like kind of reduce plastics pollution by a ton when you stop providing them, when you offer people an incentive or, or a reason to rather use like a reusable bag that they can reuse multiple times. But there's studies that show that paper bags, creating paper bags have a, a worse impact because of, you know, all the kind of deforestation issues we're having to like <laughs> uh, create these paper bags uh, up front. So it's just kind of like trading one thing for the other, which one has a bigger impact in the end. I think it's really clear to say, though, that if you take out plastic bags from the equation, you take out a lot of the pollution of the land, of the rivers, of the oceans, where all these like fine microplastics sort of like are found. And, you know, that that's a, that's a really huge issue and something that you can you can only really address if you reduce the consumption of plastic. All right. Let's talk about uh, the next steps here. Has Polis signed this one yet? Nope. Has he said anything? We're still waiting. I, I asked his team like three or four times. Hey, so is he going to sign this? Hey, is he going to sign this? And they tell me he will make that decision when the bill shows up on his desk. So that's where we're at <laughs> okay, right now. Sure. Sounds like he's on the on the signing tour. But um, in the past, he has shown his support for something like this, whether it's, the, you know, support for the, the final version that was passed by the assembly. I don't know. But we'll see. So speaking of the, um, the the bill signing tour that he's on, I was joking the other day on the show that that Polis has been doing these like thematic press conferences and signing bills in places that like connect in some way to the content of the bill. Where do you think he should sign this one? Oh man, this is a great question. I feel like he should choose the biggest Walmart possible. <laughs> I don't even know. Or if he wanted to really be kind of <laughs> show the alternatives instead, maybe he should just pick like a Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, like a grocery store on the checkout line, him just like right on the on the little uh, conveyor belt thing. Oh my god, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, he should just he should have the bill printed out on a paper bag and just sign it that way. <laughs> well, Miguel, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Denver. Thank you so much, guys. By the way, if you live in Denver proper, you're gonna have to start paying ten cents per plastic or paper bag a lot sooner than 2023. An ordinance that passed at the end of 2019 is finally going into effect this July. The pandemic slowed things down a bit. So get those dimes ready. And that's all for us today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then... I hope you have a really good day. Today is Wednesday. No, it's not. Today is Thursday.